1: Hey, readers, I'm excited to share this special episode called The Culture Is Black Women with you. Tiffany Cross and I had the pleasure of hosting an honest, thought-provoking dinner conversation in Harlem with black women trailblazers who are shaping America's culture, including Nicole Hannah-Jones, Representative Ayanna Presley, sportscaster Maria Taylor, and comedian Robin Thede. I hope you enjoyed the discussions as much as I did. Stay right here to listen now. We've had these conversations about the fight for our culture and the things that we know we need.
2: That is a universal black woman language.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We were all born knowing the work that needs to be done. And so we will do it.
4: (gasps) Oh my God. No, no, no. No. Yes.
1: I'm excited to get you into Mintons. It's one of the most beautiful, incredible venues. Minton's in the Cecil. All of these women, they're gonna be in Harlem, Harlem. And I think that's gonna be dope. Melva Wilson is a literal icon in Harlem, in New York. And her food is so delicious. And she's just a wonderful, warm, sweet person. So I'm excited just to be in her presence.
5: Who is better than you? You. That's right. That's only the, one of the reasons I love you.
2: I'm really excited for Nicole Hannah-Jones. She didn't get into this for fame. She didn't get into this to be the face of some movement. She got into this to bear witness to history and to tell a story. Ah,
1: Tarana Burke, the actual creator of the Me Too movement, the hashtag Me Too came from Tarana Burke. This is a woman who has suffered so much personal pain and tragedy and turned it into a movement. So we have
2: Maria Taylor, who is our new colleague.
6: Yeah, We're here on Santa here.
2: Monica Pier. And look, the
0: fans are starting to trickle yeah. in.
2: Our new colleague. But do we not want
1: the team from ESPN? Because <laughs> I
2: do. I am thrilled to have Captain Tamika Lindsay at the table, because all walks of life, we are representing and making
1: history. It's interesting that she'll be there along with Representative Ayanna Presley. The crown act is her crowning glory. I think she's gonna be somebody that's gonna be an incredible person to talk with.
2: Black ladies get chill. I am so excited to have Robin Thede. Is my camera?
1: That's your camera, coach. She is hilarious. She is fun. And she's also a history maker too. There are not that many black
2: women in late night. I'm so excited to have Ryan Michelle Bethé who is launching a new show with NBC.
7: What are you trying to pull? Why are you trying to mess with
2: me? She's beautiful. She has natural hair. I love her hair. Every time I see it, I'm like, can I pull cool that hairstyle up? <laughs> Tamika Trimaglio, the new executive director of the NBPA, National Basketball Players Association. The interesting thing about her is she really comes from that C-suite space. She worked for Deloitte before.
1: We're sitting at a table with people from so many different industries, walks of life. I want people to understand that that's how we can operate in the world. That you can operate and create these connections, not because you want to get ahead in your industry, but because you want to have that sisterhood and that sisterhood support.
2: Oh, my god. Look at this. Look at this. It this
1: means. is amazing.
2: This is a table fit for queens. It is. It
1: absolutely is. And can we talk about this very extravagant menu?
2: Seriously. Melba's is about Melba to So I think we should bring in the ladies, right? Let's bring in the ladies. Yeah.
1: Let's right. Let's do it. Hi. Come on in. ladies. Hi, ladies. Hi ladies. Oh, my goodness. Yay. You all
8: look so Yay. beautiful. Okay.
2: Please. <laughs> So, Joy, I'm curious because you, this is your hood. Yeah. So, tell us about this wonderful, beautiful place. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because
1: we live in Harlem, even though I am a Brooklyn girl and I'm always going to represent Brooklyn. I'm sorry to the Bronx, but I'm always going to represent here Brooklyn. East flatbush till I die. But I'm just saying, Harlem obviously is so iconic and it's so iconic to the black experience. Yeah. And black women, you know, you're talking about Billie Holiday and all the mm. great black women jazz artists who used to play right here. So, we wanted to make this not just a sisterhood experience, but also a cultural experience, Mm -hmm, because this is the culture is, right? And the culture is black women. We've created the cultural basis for what Americans believe is culture, right? Jazz, the blues, you know, all the things that we brought because of our experience, because of who
2: we are, we brought that to the table, and so we wanted to bring that to this table. I love that, I love that. Well, I'm very, I feel the spirit of black women in this room. But I do have to start this dinner out by just paying homage to the wonderful, amazing Nicole Hannah Jones. Yes, yes. Seriously, take care, flowers. Because the way that you crystallized our lived experience in this country, our history, and you are unapologetic. We love our flair. We love your flair, and you celebrate it. And it's all rooted in history. And so I think it's really provided context for people who didn't know the story of 1619. Our entire genetic identity was robbed and taken from us. And you stood in that gap and said, let me tell you your story and where you come from. Oh, man, thank you. I, I, I
8: I wasn't expecting that. And it's like so beautiful to be at the table with all of these amazing black women who are clearly representing all of the different ways that we shape our society and culture and also all the ways that we fight. But to me, when I think about us, our primary role is when we have been the keepers of black culture and that we have also been the ones who have fought for this country's highest ideals the most. We have fought for gender equality, for racial equality, anyone ever follow our path like you think of all the stereotypes of black women and that we are seen as a problem in this country but of course I argue that we're the solution and we always have that I mean and
1: you're sitting right next to the great congresswoman Ayanna Presley and I mean I mean we've had these conversations I think all of us have had we've had them separately with you about the fight right to fight for our culture and the things that we know we need and we are kind of the 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 canary in the coal mine for when America is going wrong
9: I mean I think that the unique space and dichotomy that we hold as black women is that we are both hyper-visible in a way that our hair, our bodies, our humanity uh, is is, is criminalized simply for how we show up in the world, while also Mm hyper-invisible, which is why you can have things like a black maternal morbidity crisis. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is to really uh, deliver a, a love letter in word and deed to the most important black woman in my life. May she rest in peace and power. And that's my mother. You know, she never read me children's bedtime stories about princesses being saved. She read me the speeches of Barbara Jordan and Shirley Chisholm. Mm-hmm. And she told me early on, you know, to be black is a beautiful thing, something you should be proud of. But you're being born into a struggle. Mm-hmm.
2: I find it fascinating that you um, kind of embody the spirit of Shirley Chisholm mm-hmm. and literally are occupy her office. I'm um, in, in her office.
9: Okay, so yeah. now I get to claim that borough yeah. pride, yeah. that everybody was like, yes. "Okay, Brooklyn." Yeah. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I think we need to have one more vegan.
2: I'm thrilled to have Tarana Burke at the table because I think what we carry with us as black women is also trauma, generational trauma. And it kind of speaks to our history as well that you spoke about your trauma and other people came along and got credit for it.
10: <laughs> and still do.
2: And still do. And still do. And she sips her water. Exactly. That's a, that is a universal black woman language and yeah. still does. <laughs>
10: For people who define this movement by how the media framed it, mm-hmm. you will never find us there. Mm-hmm. Before Me Too became the hashtag and then and all the rest of that, there was decades, go all the way back to Rosa Parks and even before that, there was work that was being done by Black women and other marginalized women that predates me, and nobody was thinking about us mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And. I have said since the day this, I was, you know, elevated into the national scene, the international scene, this is for us. Mm-hmm. But people didn't want to hear that.
2: Mm-hmm. I look at this table and these amazing women sitting across this table. And I know everybody has earned their right to be yes. here, you know, beautifully placed at this table. And still somebody can come in here and question our place at this table. Mm -hmm. So with that, I'd like to bring in Maria Taylor to the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Because, young sister, we know that you earned your place, despite what others may say. Um, And you're in a a male-dominated field that is difficult for women to get into. So the expectation might be that as another woman, you understand what I went through. Yet we see that it takes black women sometimes mm. to appreciate you. And so I'm just curious because you've been in a line of fire yeah. and we didn't know you, but we knew you, <laughs> we knew your story. You. you were our sister immediately. So how have you managed being in that line of fire and
6: handle it with such grace and success? Honestly, I'm sitting here and I'm like taking it all in. I'm like, I want to take notes on it. Like, <laughs> Anna Jones is speaking. Toronto Burke is speaking. Um, but the, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is, like, I just wish that there was a world in which, you know, everything that a black woman did, someone wasn't coming to dim that light or blow it out. Like, I wish that there was someone there f- fanning our flames and... Obviously, we have our culture and we have people and friends and grandmas and moms that do that. But the things that we have to battle through sometimes, it's like trying to hold your little candle against like the winds of the ocean. Um, And I felt that way sometimes coming up in sports, because like you said, it's very white male dominated. Uh, A lot of times they simply don't want you there. Mm-hmm. And I've been on both sides of it where I've worked really hard to get to, you know, the NBA finals. And I've had a white woman raise her hand and say, you only got the job because you're black. Mm. I've had my company stand behind that thought mm. and, and then tell me that I am not being professional because I am refusing to work with her.
2: Wow.
5: But
6: at some point I've realized, and I turned 35 in May, I was willing mm. to give up my entire job. Mm. I said, I really have to walk in my integrity right now. Mm. I believe that I was put on this earth to speak out loud about sports, eventually more things, and and be a content creator that amplifies black voices. That's it. And so if anyone tries to get away or push me off of that path, I believe God will have another one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as black women, everything we do is super selfless. So I think everyone sitting here has something that's been pushing them that has nothing to do with what they actually do. Yeah. Captain Lindsay, you, I mean, yes, you were at yeah. the Naval Academy, but it wasn't just about you being a captain in the Navy. You meant something more, and we all know that that rides on our shoulders. That's so, right. I would be curious to hear what you were driven by, because mm. talk about white male domination. Okay, yeah. come on now, come on. Let's come about talk about it. it in the Navy. Yeah. Five minutes, though, okay?
2: Just very quickly, we'd like to welcome Chef Melba. Melba! Ladies, 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 how are
5: you? Oh, wonderful. Oh my God, look at all the beauty, the brains <laughs> sitting at one table. I want to honor you, ladies, by bringing you some of my favorite things. <laughs> I am yeah. not going to tell you what everything's going to be. <laughs> but we do have my mandarin chicken salad. And I also have what I served, the Duke and Duchess. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did come to Harlem. <laughs> wow. And yes, sister girl did serve them. Come on,
1: Megan Marcus.
5: And girl, you know I had to throw some grits up in there. You know that. Hey, 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 yes. Last but love not that. least, some sweets for the sweets. Aww. Bon appétit, ladies. It is my honor and my pleasure to cook and serve you. Oh. Enjoy. We love you, Milba.
2: Thank
11: you. Captain Lindsay, would love to hear your thoughts on Maria's question. You know, I remember being a student at the Naval Academy, and and I was in charge of the climate assessment, and I remember a peer of mine saying in his uh, feedback that if you were black and female, you had it made. And I didn't see that at all, considering there were four in my class of a 1,000, almost 1,200, and one in the class behind me and seven in the class behind that one. So how, how could they think that we had it made? When I was asked to come back and just I was curious to see if anything had changed. And uh, there were some things that changed, but there were a lot of things that hadn't. And I didn't realize the importance of my role as chief diversity officer there until two black midshipmen students came to my office and said, we don't have a voice. And it really hurt me to hear that. And I realized that it was my responsibility as senior officer and soon to be the senior black female in the Navy, but I had to be their voice. Well, we just want to thank you for your service. Absolutely. Thank you all. Absolutely.
1: Tamika, we, we're looking right at you because if you're talking about a male-dominated industry, I think <laughs> at the, this end of the table, I mean, my God, the NBA, it, it, is, it is a completely obviously male-dominated industry. I wonder what your sort of challenges have been, you know, being a black
12: woman in that space. Yeah, So it has been, first of all, an incredible privilege, because as you talk about being in this male dominated industry, the players that I have the privilege of working on behalf of are The most amazing men, other than my husband and children. (laughs) Um, We think about the future of basketball. We know that a lot of it will be around social equity. They had one of the loudest voices. They made the biggest difference, whether it was in voting, whether it was, you know, taking a stand, whatever that happens to be. And I am just amazed to be a part of that recognizing of course that it is male dominated so it is a unique business to be in
1: it's like we're breaking into all these spaces and it is incredible the way that we're breaking in right i mean i'm thinking about you sister i mean there is is nothing whiter and maler than the comedy world yeah correct it's a lonely lonely world to be a black woman there
4: yeah and that's the end <laughs> um, thank y'all yeah. for coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Good night. Good um, night. For a lot of
2: people, I, I was a. Ryan, put it down! I am trying to talk about being a Get great black woman. Get your catfish. <laughs> oh, Lord. A hole. It's got a hole. Somebody
4: take so chick- the grass of chicken. The grass of chicken. <laughs> it's I don't know what it is. It's catfish. It's it's catfish. catfish. It's catfish. It's catfish. It's catfish grass. Yes i am a very white male dominated industry yeah because i started I, you know for for many many years I was, a, I was a journeyman writer and comedian that that no one knew um and and wrote for a lot of men um a lot of black men but a lot of white men a lot of people that you never know i was writing jokes for and i was having trouble getting my voice out there you know so for me larry Wilmore was actually really helpful with that when i did the nightly show i was hired to be his head writer. And he said, no, you you need to be on camera. We need to hear your voice. I can't speak to the things that you're going to speak to. Robin, you're at at headquarters? That's right, Larry.
9: Um, Which headquarters?
4: Black headquarters.
9: Oh. (laughs)
4: It's so critical to be recognized by our own
13: mm-hmm. because
4: when someone comes up to me and say, oh, I love your sketch show, I say, thank you because I made it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I made it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not a, some yes. sort of weird compliment. It's just like, yeah. I literally made, I named it a black lady sketch show. <laughs> yeah. I, there's no confusion who this is for or who it's by. Yeah, All of us have been grinding. Yeah. I think about Gabrielle, yeah. you know. I think about Ryan. Oh my yeah. God, mm-hmm. we'll talk about all of your
2: <laughs> <laughs> So Ryan, I mean, Robin gave you a... Annie up there, um, I'm just curious your experience as a black woman in Hollywood, what that's been like for you. you. (laughs)
7: <laughs> well, I know we said this is going to be an honest conversation, yes. but yes. Um, I do want to keep my corporate overload towards happy. <laughs> so, um, but I don't is. care. <laughs> 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 I realize because yours are like a subscription base yeah, and mine yeah. is network television. And it's a whole other thing. Child, They're if they could own get own me to cook, clean, and drive the bus <laughs> no. to work. And please, we do it. And we do it. We do it. We do it. And, you know, I actually have to say something deeply personal because not only are we birthday twins. Yes, we are. Robin and I had lunch. Now, I want to cry. Robin and I had lunch. I'm sorry. Was it like, it was a number of years ago. It was 75 years ago. It felt 75 (laughs) years ago, and we were, were, it felt like we were children. And I don't know about you, but it just felt like this mountain it was a bad day for me and I was <laughs> climbing up the mountain <laughs> and this light came in and she was like we're climbing up the mountain and what we're gonna do is we're gonna be funny about it and we're gonna be fabulous and what I wanna do is I'm gonna have a sketch show because <laughs> you know the sketch comedy stage. and I'm just like I just had an
0: audition for another slave you
7: know and, and it was like it, I, it's that moment that we had has stayed with me
4: when I met you your husband was just a, a lovely no he wasn't he was a wonderful man but it's was like <laughs> but I, I don't know, and you know what? I'm not gonna bring that up. But bring it up. Bring it up. it up. But I feel like Sterling is incredible. First of all, as a human being, as an actor, but I feel like it's difficult for Black women to get the same amount of shine. Is that something that you all discuss? We do. I mean, I say to him. I told
7: him once. I was like, Black women stand alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, and as much as you love me and have loved me. Mm-hmm. I have stood alone. He'll joke now and that something will happen. He's like, because black women stand alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. We do. I said, you have no idea, like, how lonely it is sometimes.
3: My mother would say to me, Kamla, you may be the first to do many things. Make sure you're not the last.
6: I keep hearing that just showing up as a black woman, as yourself, is just revolutionary.
8: I wear this hair for a reason. It Mm -hmm. makes It makes white supremacists so damn mad.
13: (laughs) Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how VivGart, FGart Tigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting VivGart.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenix.
0: Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care.
1: Can we heart. talk about hair and makeup?
10: Yeah. Because you have beautiful hair. hair. Hey! Okay, yeah. now. Look, can we toast
1: <laughs> to this? The hair and We yeah. 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 have all fun. been yes. in the struggle. Seriously. All the black yeah. people. Oh, yeah. How Absolutely. do we get our hair and makeup together? Back in the news business, the, your beautiful hair mm-hmm. would not have been allowed mm-hmm. even five yeah. years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went renegade last year and started wearing every kind of braid style that
9: <laughs> you could probably do. <laughs> I have a hundred different styles.
12: It,
1: let me tell you when I did it. When that crown act passed in New York, yeah, I'm gonna wear all the different kinds yeah. of gray. Yeah, I'm gonna put them up. I'm gonna put them, I'm gonna put them down. I'm oh. have yeah. something. Joy, you went, you went more than
10: rogue. Though. I went rogue. One day, Joy had a whole situation, uh-huh. and this is how it always works, right? People text me like, "Yo, did you see Joy's hair today?" Right? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I, can I? Just, I just, I
7: worked on a show, and that person shall remain nameless, but they are very famous, and he had it in his contract that if you were a black woman, he was not responsible for your hair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this was a a very famous... Who was it? Tell us. Name name.
1: Just text it to us later. Text text it to us later. later. But for all of you, I mean, in every single one of our businesses, we've had to deal with... Our hair being fried, falling out of oh our hair. Oh, my God, yeah. somebody who didn't know how to do us yeah. couldn't Ooh. sit in the thing. We couldn't have a black hair and makeup team. Foundations, two
4: shades Ooh. of Foundations oh. oh. right. right.
10: When you're not a celebrity in this way, this is a new thing being thrust into the spotlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you're like a social justice person. Sure. And they they don't care how they make us look. Correct. At Correct. all. Correct. I have been in places where they've just handed me powder. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and probably the wrong color powder. Oh, absolutely. Right. White powder. And I'm like, am I a clown? And so now you have you to be a professional makeup artist, professional right. hairstylist. You already know this. The I go on TV and I'm like,
8: I look a damn mess. Like what <laughs> I mean, what what I have been happening? traumatized. You you and get I'm get supposed
10: that? to have hair and the hair is like that and they done. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. From you the from, from 4 years ago. That's right. I'm gonna tell you this. The first the time cover, I don't I've never told a story. They called me 3 days before. And said, Can you come in to do a photo shoot? They did not tell me it was the cover. They said, Bring a yellow shirt and a blue shirt out of my closet. Wow. Mm. No wardrobe, no nothing. So I grabbed the yellow shirt, I grabbed the blue shirt. I came downtown.
12: Oh, Lord. I came never. to the
10: place, right? Oh, okay. I'm just thinking it's gonna be a little mm-hmm. picture, yeah. like whatever. I get to the place, my braids wasn't fresh. Now, you mm-hmm. know, come on. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on! I had three days. I could have took my braids out. of okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Mhm. <laughs> mm-hmm. My braids wasn't fresh. My braids yeah. was always,
8: oh, yeah. always, Come on. On. always oh,
10: fresh. Oh, I would have freshed them myself. Right. 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 I get to the place. I, I I get there. I just take the shoot like normal. They make this the cover of freaking wow. Time magazine. Girl.
9: But Toronto, can I just say though? I think that the, the uh, what I think people misunderstand is that. This is not... um, Vanity. Vanity. It's not not a diva moment. It's the fact that as black women, every single thing about us is politicized and criminalized. That's right. As we were having this conversation about black hair... And I know everyone keeps saying that we're in the midst of a national reckoning. You know, I'm still waiting for that. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. honestly, what, what I think is more accurate is to say that we've been in the midst of an awakening. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but the reckoning, for me, will be when we codify the value of black lives mm-hmm. in our budgets and in our policies. That part, okay. right. mm-hmm. And so, you know, we recently passed the Crown Act. Yep. This is Thank banning race-based... absolutely. Thank you. Um, race-based... Yes, those applause are for the fact that I was able to keep my composure. Amen. <laughs> Amen. For, for the many uh, mm-hmm. offensive uh, things that were said. Uh, one uh, person across the aisle referred to this as the bad hair bill. Oh, my um, wow. um, You know, which, which very much makes the case for the very thing mm-hmm. that we're talking about. So the thing is that people get it wrong when they think that the Crown Act is just about hair. The Crown Act is about white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rap, mm-hmm. okay? How I show up in the world is disruptive in and of itself, you know. Shout out to the seven million people living with alopecia, disproportionately uh, black women. I have alopecia uh, totalis. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I thank God for my husband, who in the midst of that, uh, all that loss, uh, reminded me that I don't need hair to rock a crown. I made my daughter,
8: my 11 year old daughter, watch that video when you talked about why you made that decision, because that Mm -hmm. was just so, I do feel emotional, so powerful
9: for us. My twists have become such a synonymous and conflated part of not only my personal identity and how I show up in the world, but my political brand. That's why I think it's important that I'm transparent about this new normal and living with alopecia.
8: I wear this hair for a reason. It, mm-hmm. makes, it makes white supremacists so damn mad. <laughs> Listen, they don't think somebody like this should work at the New York Times no, or be on television. And every time I go and speak at a college when black girls are like, I didn't know I could be successful and wear my hair how I wanted. What other race of people? Mm -hmm. Is it okay to say the way your hair grows out of your
12: head is offensive to me? Well, and I've grown up in the corporate world. So 26 years in the corporate space, it wasn't even a matter of someone telling you. It was that you didn't see it, right? Mm -hmm. And so in order to be successful, you thought this is how you had to come. It wasn't that someone said it. It's just what you thought. So... Thank God there were people who would show up so that it allowed you to show up, right? Because until you could see other people that wore flowers in their hair or colors or bigger jewelry, whatever that happened to be, you didn't feel like you could do it because that wasn't the people who made it. A lot of what we really are encountering every day is that people don't feel heard. They want us to listen. And it's hard for us to do that because we're always at such odds.
2: So, Maria, please, I want to hear about his your hair. hair. Your hair looks
9: powder. beautiful. <laughs> yes. Yes. Your hair looks amazing. I it love this
6: hair. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but really, what I wanted to say, I keep hearing that just showing up as a black woman as yourself is just revolutionary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like you kept saying, I'm a disruptor just by being there and standing there, and I feel the same way all the time. Like you're tall, I'm tall. Everyone's gonna look at you regardless, and they're gonna judge you. But I just went through a big chop and I watched your video too. <laughs> you were an inspiration to yes. me. And I had always worn long widths, had taken out my edges, taken out, I have like a patch in the back of my head just from traction alopecia. And I finally decided, you know, I need to start staying a little bit truer to myself. I don't want to hide anymore in myself. You said something similar to that too, where I just want to get rid of all the layers and just see who I am and who I can function as on camera. And I think I had always been prepping myself and making myself up for the white male gaze because that's what sports is. That's what, if you're covering football, the expectation is. So I'm thinking my hair has to be long. It has to be down to here. And one day I showed up and was like, no, I'm about to do the Winter Olympics and I'm going to cut all my hair off and it's going to be razored on the side and whatever's there will be there and whatever's not is not going to show up on camera. But it was scary. Like yeah. w- to bear your whole self on camera and be a black woman is scary and hard.
9: Yeah. Well, let's just talk about the life that that hair is giving <laughs> us. So- yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I love that your hair.
3: Thank you. That is part of the sisterhood of us. Is that we know that we are opening the door and then we need to widen it a bit.
4: I have a fantastic life. Why would I ruin it with a man? <laughs>
1: up here it changed what i was going to ask it, it is resonant for me to be on air force two with the first black woman vice president that is that's is a big deal and where we're headed makes it even more resonant we're headed of all the places we're going we're going to the mississippi delta to greenville mississippi you know and just the the Is it resonant for you that
3: that is where we're going today? And why? Why are we going to Greenville? And why is that important? Well, it's very intentional. Uh, One of the things that I've been working on since we came in as an administration, and it's really a passion of mine, is what can we do to support small businesses and small business owners? Because we know in so many of our communities, in the Black community, Latino community, Asian community, rural communities, the small business leaders are civic leaders. They're community leaders. And they're really the backbone of the, the economy of those communities.
1: These rural communities do not get a lot of political attention. Let's just be honest. We pay a lot of attention yeah. to the big cities and the swing states. Right. We don't pay attention to rural communities. Right. So, I mean, I think that is important, obviously, in what you're yeah. doing. But Mississippi also has a history. Yes, you spoke does. of your Senate, uh, what you did in the United States Senate. The Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act right. has now passed. Can you just talk a little bit about what getting to that point means as well?
3: For too long, rural communities have been overlooked and underserved in, in very substantial ways. Rural communities have a lot in common among them, but there's also diversity among them. So we're going to the South, we're going to Mississippi, or if you go to places like South Carolina, rural communities in certain regions of our country also have the history that you are rightly talking about when we overlay that with the history on an issue like lynching, when we overlay that on a history that has been about racism, about discrimination, about slavery, you know, just there's so many layers to it, right? And so we're going to Greenville, Mississippi, to recognize that this is part of who we are as America,
1: We all sat and watched the Katanji Brown Jackson uh, hearings, uh, in which she very calmly um, sat through what I think a lot of, particularly black women, let's just be honest, felt was brazen disrespect from senators like Lindsey Graham, senators like Tom Cotton, senators like Josh Hawley. What did you think when you watched that hearing?
3: I will tell you, joy. I experienced great joy when I watched this brilliant, phenomenal black woman, jurist, be so smart and just cut through the political gamesmanship that they were attempting to incite. And she just was composed and, as far as I'm concerned, was taking a whole lot of people to school. And I watched that with incredible joy because it was just brilliance being displayed for the entire country to see. And I cannot wait to see I, it, That will only be matched by the joy that I experience when I see her take the oath to be the next justice on the United States Supreme Court.
1: We started off today uh, on your plane, Air Force Two, talking about firsts. You are a, I think, a quintuple first: first woman, first black woman, first Asian American woman, first HBCU grad, Indeed. and I have to say, first member of the Divine Nine. Thank you very much. Yes, um, <laughs> to be vice president of the United States. What does it say about our country that we have this duality? That we can have so many firsts, so many more potential firsts. Stacey Abrams yeah. running in yeah. Georgia. Many, yeah. many black women running for the United That's States right. Senate. Val Demings in Florida. Mm-hmm. Great candidates everywhere. Black women running. That's right. Um, and so many opportunities for more firsts. Yes. And yet, we're living in a time when our rights are th- severely threatened. Our right to vote, our right to our bodily autonomy, yeah. bounties on women in Texas, yeah. a, a, you know, re, abortion restrictions, yeah. don't say gay laws, yeah. I could go on. Yeah. What does it say about our country that we live in that duality? Pay equity. Pay yeah. equity. Yeah maternal, you know,
3: maternal mortality. Right, something I care deeply about that I've worked on for years. Um, You know, here's how I think about it. First, on on the point about being first, I think you've heard me say this. My mother would say to me, Kamala, you may be the first to do many things, make sure you're not the last. And I know, when I am with all of these incredible women who have been the first in many ways, um, we, we, that is that is part of the sisterhood of, of us, is that we know that we are opening the door and then we need to widen it a bit, and we will certainly not be the last. So I'll tell you that in terms of the spirit with, with which we approach it. And here's the thing. We also were all born knowing the work that needs to be done. And so we will do it. And we will speak truth about the injustice, we will speak truth about the inequity, we will speak truth about the unfairness, but we also know our power. And we're not going to let anyone take it from us. We understand the legitimacy of what we are fighting for to say let's deal with discrimination, let's deal with the fact that black women are three times as likely to die in childbirth as other women, not to mention native women twice as likely, not to mention rural women one and a half times likely. We see, we understand what needs to be done and we are prepared to to do it and that's how I think about it. That's how I think about it. We have to speak truth about what it is and then you know that, that I think that's why you see all these women taking these roles of leadership um, because they're they're prepared to lead, and I think we'll all be better when they do.
1: <laughs> Vice
3: President Kamala Harris, I think we had similar moms. Yes, your mom sounds a lot like my. Oh, mom. my mother was. Uh, well, I, you came to the. Did you at the the so at the shop? Yeah, Miss John's shop. So you know when we walked in, I was saying. I, my mother used to, she would make dresses for which my mother sewed clothes for us, mm-hmm. right? And I learned how to sew, too. And um, and it was so nice, because I, I just have fond memories as a as a girl of, of going to the fabric store with my mother, right? And then getting all of the fabrics. My mom wanted me to learn to sew as well. I resisted. <laughs> you No, my, my mother was like, you know, you want to wear clothes, you need to know, how to, need to know how to sew. You like to eat, you need <laughs> to learn how to cook. <laughs> I did learn the
1: latter. I did learn right? the <laughs> i want to eat <laughs> <laughs> vice president Harris, yours thank you so thank much thank you joy really it's good to be, you. With, you. To be you. with you thank you thank <gasps> you oh
4: my god no 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 yes no, no. no.
12: i will say honestly it has always been a priority
13: hey it's mel robbins
2: I just wanted, because you were telling us a story yeah. about just the various ways that we're disrespected. Yes. And you are an accomplished woman in the military. Mm-hmm. Please tell
11: I, that story. I think my biggest story that I didn't share was uh, my time in Baghdad, Iraq. So this was the end of General Brooks's time and the beginning of General Kimmet's time. So early 2003, 2004 time frame. And I was in charge of communications at the time in Baghdad. And late one night when it's time for them to air live... Uh, the communications broke. So they woke me up. I, I threw on some sweats and I went running into the palace there in the green zone. And I said, there was a problem with communications. This was the situation. Here's how you're going to operate. This is... And I just laid it down in communication style. And there was a lieutenant colonel there um, from the army who was just looking at me with this blank stare and he says, what are you doing out of the kitchen?
4: Oh, my God.
5: No. No.
11: No. 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 Yes. No. How? And... That- It took everything out of me. The fact that I left my three-year-old and my one-year-old child to volunteer to go to fight for my country. It took everything from me that I fought for to be a military officer, volunteering to fight for my country. It took everything out of me. And I was livid. I did not go off on him because that would only make matters worse. And so I went to a senior officer, and I told him I wanted to file a complaint against this guy because he had no right to say this against me. And he actually talked me out of it. So it only made matters worse because he did not speak for me. It was like a punch in the chest. And um, when I, I've encountered that more than once. That was probably the most egregious. But even as a captain, they'll say, oh, you don't act like other military officers, or you're not like other military captains, or you're not like other leaders. And I'm like, what does does that define? What does that look like? Because obviously I don't fit that mold, but I am very much of that person. And I'm very much that person who's called on, Mm -hmm. like everybody else, to serve the job. Mm -hmm. So it it has been tough to be able to assert that when there's so few of us who make it to the senior ranks. Wow. Mm. Mm
9: -hmm.
11: As a black woman, that
2: story, I think has us all a little choked up. I think something that we all feel is loneliness. Yeah. You know, these mm-hmm. rooms that we're in can be so lonely. And some of us at this table are married. We talked about, you know, a black woman walks alone even as a married woman. Um, some of us are, are single. Why did you and, point at me? Because
4: me, me, <laughs> <so laughs> me and you, girl. So and
2: you, girl. I have go. a fantastic life. Why would I ruin it with a <laughs> But really, it is, I just wonder, as a single woman, I've not been married, I don't have children, and sometimes it does feel like I look to my counterparts and I feel like I'm walking alone. So I was very struck when you said, as a married woman, the black woman walks alone.
7: My husband is a very supportive person. He's also a very positive person. You know, and when you are... (sighs) The patriarchy serves men. It just does. And we stand at the corner of... Misogynoir, I mean, that's what it yeah. is, you know, and there are certain things that he can understand as a black man. But he has, my husband has access to tools to defeat racism and to disarm white people and white supremacy that I simply don't have. Yeah, I do not have access. And if I try to pick up his tools, I have a, it a very different outcome right. than he has. And the only thing that I have been able to hone, and I'm sure we can all ex- agree to this, is To be overly articulate. Right. When I come home, as loving as he is and as wonderful as he is, and as much as he understands racism, he also is like, well, did you just smile? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I don't have big old pecs and muscles and biceps and I can't just flash that, you know, smile. And it just disarms people because there is a there is a a wanting there mm-hmm. for him that is not there a desire for me. a desire yeah. and a desire to be close to him but i feel like we also do
1: absorb and internalize the racism that black men receive that we are in relationships with yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. you know because yes. i had a husband yes. that you know he Tiffany knows him as bald now, but he used to have long dreads, mm-hmm. and used to face like direct racism from hair. We talked about Absolutely. hair earlier mm-hmm. of being somebody with dreads who people are like, oh, I think I'm nervous to be in an edit room with you, but then you get in you're like, oh, he's so nice. Mm-hmm. But you know, he had to prove that what he's do we nice. What
2: think he's gonna do? But he I think he's, what he's gonna right. do? We
1: do get the double, right? So we mean, black men have a certain. <laughs> We want, you know, them, we want to comfort them, We want to comfort them. And yeah. so we're dealing with we're their racism and our struggle own. At all. At all. Correct. Right. Correct. We understand. Both. We want to be
2: yeah. your partner. That's Correct. right. And I, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like that we are partnerless, you know, in, in every aspect, not just dating and romance, but in the struggle sometimes. Absolutely. You know, yes. it's just, I don't know. It feels like um, black men, not all. You all have wonderful husbands around this table, but some black men can be dismissive of our pain, mm-hmm. of our lived experience. Yeah. They can value anything that does not look like us.
4: Yeah. Even if they're, they're taught yeah, yeah. that from society. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. They're taught that from a very early age. And yeah. every... To want a Barbie. Yeah, yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it's it's wild because all of most of my friends are single, successful, educated, beautiful black women, mm-hmm. and they are all going to be raising a family alone if that's what they choose to do or be without one. Yeah.
10: Where people are like, oh, well, you all you do is go after black men. Your, mm-hmm. your whole agenda is to go after black men. And I'm like, because I want to protect black women mm-hmm. does not mean that I want to automatically go after whatever mm-hmm. that means, after black men. But we do have to talk about what's happening between black men and black women. Mm -hmm. But we should do that from a place of love. Like, I love black men, Absolutely. right? I love and adore black men. But that means we we still have to look at the reality that black women have the second highest rate of of experiences with sexual violence in this country. I feel like sometimes we need to close the curtain and have a private conversation. I think as as
5: women, especially as women of color, we have that super woman cape on. All the time. And we forget that it's okay to take the cape off. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Ladies, this meal has been amazing. I do want to welcome back Melba. Yeah. Oh, okay, hi! Ladies. How are you? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, queen. So good, Melba. Oh my
5: gosh. And everything is dietary, it's diet-free. It's diet-free. No, no, no calories. There's no calories, I love it. not one. Not one. But since it. we have you here, Miss Melba, we want to just talk
1: about self-care. And you running this incredible business. I mean, you not jumped into a whole second restaurant here in this mm-hmm. other place of of, of Minton. But, I mean, what, talk about that a little bit. How
5: do you find the time? You are a mom. Yeah. You know, Joy, you're 100% right. And I think as women, we are natural caregivers. But we always put ourselves last. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so the first two letters in my name is... M-E, me. They should be the last two letters of my name because I've often forgot about me. Mm -hmm. But one thing that time has taught me and that sisterhood has taught me that we've got to put us first because when we put us first, we're better able to take care of our husbands, of our wives, of our kids, of our families, Mm -hmm. and of our friends. And when you talk about breaking bread together, that's what it means. Mm -hmm. It means to feed ourselves, to take that loaf and before we feed anybody else, let's feed ourselves. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: That's such good advice. That's something that I think we find it hard to do. Samika, I know you just... Got this big role, a huge role. You're a wife and a mother, and so I'm curious as you navigate all this. Like, how do you prioritize self-care?
12: So I will say honestly, it has always been a priority. So you know, just like Boy. you said teach that you, yes.
5: Yes. teach
1: us, teach it us, teach us, because up, quite honestly,
12: like every time you get on the airplane, they tell you put your mask on first, right? Yeah. I realize that I can't do it if I'm not in a good place. Mm-hmm. I know when I'm at my peak. I know when it's too much. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, even now, I have focused on the wellness of our people within the MBPA because all we have to give is our intellectual capacity, right? And when we are at our capacity, we have nothing else to give. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to me that I'm replenishing that and that we're finding time for wellness, finding time for self so that we can give more. And I think people don't realize that. We think we get this badge of honor that we have, you know, pulled an yeah. all-nighter or yeah, we haven't yeah. slept in 48 hours and all of those things. Yeah, that's
5: a good point because I think as as women, especially as women of color, we have that super woman cape yeah. on mm-hmm. all the time. And we forget that it's okay to take the cape off. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's okay and it's not a sign of weakness when we take the cape off, right? Sometimes we just need to replenish,
9: you know? Yeah. And,
5: I, and I think it's, it's okay not to
9: always be strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, I, but I would say, though, I don't, you know, I used to say that um, joy is an act of resistance and, you know, they're coming for everything. Our civil rights, our civil liberties, our peace of mind. Don't give them your joy, too. So joy is, an act, is a necessary act of resistance. But now I'm like, don't we deserve just to be joyful just because? Right. <laughs> I don't want us to feel right. like, you know, you should replenish and center wellness and your well-being so that you can be of greater utility. Right. Because that is, yes. you know, creating this hierarchy right. again where we are saying our labor is of greater value than Amen. our very life. Wow. So it is okay to be joyful just because.
12: Just yeah. because. Yeah. That's real. Amen. Well, I have to say yes. to you
9: ladies,
1: one of our methods of self-care on this weekend is you. Yes. Is being with yes. you and sharing with you and this sisterhood that we have that has been nourishing. It's been literally physically yes.
10: nourishing. Yes. And it's also been spiritually nourishing. I mean it's been intellectually
1: nourishing. You yes, yes, women are yes. brilliant. You are queens. You are fabulous. And I just want to thank all of you yes. for being here at this table. Because uh, this is a table of sisterhood mm. and friendship. I think we should have a toast. Yes. yes. Well, can think? I
2: just say one thing? Boom. I'm gonna try not to get emotional, but yes. too late. Aww. Too late! <laughs> Um, for so long, so many of us at this table have said, um, somebody, anybody sing a black girl song? Oh, Tiffany, come on. <laughs> and you all sing that song. Cheers. So, you. We
5: love you.
12: Cheers. Cheers.
5: Cheers. Here's to black women. The yeah. culture is black women.
13: Hey, it's Mel Robbins